0: morning, guys. Oh, man. So, uh, Palm Sunday, uh, the triumphal entry, um, but I got hit by something on Wednesday, and I am absolutely depleted. And so, everything just emptied out of my system, and I haven't put much back in since Friday. So, if you're okay with it, I'm just going to sit down, if that's all right. You guys okay with that? Yes. Oh, man. Was that TMI? I could have kept going, but I stopped. <laughs> uh, well, it's Palm Sunday, and, uh, and you heard Jack say, we, we, are, we are continuing in Luke. Uh, we think the stories in Luke lined up beautifully with the triumphal entry and then the power of the forgiveness that comes in uh, Jesus' resurrection. And so this Sunday, Palm Sunday, it is the entrance of the king, and we're going to look at a story. Uh, of John the Baptist and his interaction with Jesus. And and, and we're going to journey to the table. The table being uh, what takes place with Christ's sacrifice at the table. That we come to the table and we can find uh, communion with him. And then, uh, Good Friday, I hope you jump in uh, where we want to bring it to the table. Where we come to find uh, salvation and life. Uh, Because of what was accomplished on Good Friday, Uh, we see that validated in Jesus' resurrection uh, Easter Sunday next week. And so if you didn't pick it up, uh, I would encourage you, there's just a a small devotional packet to journey through this Easter week uh, that that, that the team put together that journeys through each day of this uh, Passion Week. And so if you didn't pick one of these up, I'd encourage you to grab one of those on your way out. And, and then following Easter, uh, we have a... Hey, Dan, it's good to see you. Thanks for joining us, Wendy. Uh, we have a guest speaker. His name's Dave uh, Goodjill, and, uh, and he's connected a little bit with Focus on the Family. Um, uh, he's created something called Bible Storyboard, similar to Walk Through the Bible, but instead uses some pictures. And, and he's going to take us through Luke Eight and about sowing seeds, and so I'm excited to have Dave. He's been a pastor for 40 years, retired, now helps with church health with another association, and I'm excited for him to join us and and uh, share share from Luke 8 as we continue through. Uh, but uh, but also, if you are praying this past week, thank you for your prayers. Uh, just the positive conversation with uh, our neighbors, and looking forward to uh, what God will continue to do. So thank you for your continued prayers as we move forward. Just uh, with uh, purchasing property. Um, but a big question this morning, um, and, and, it's an, and it comes from an unexpected person in the text, but, but I want to start here with the question, uh, because it's the question I think that we see in the text. The, the arrival of the king, this is Palm Sunday, and, and it is the triumphal entry, and yet the question is, do you ever have doubts at who Jesus is? Are there ever doubts that fill your mind, and, and maybe the answer is no, then I'd encourage you there's people around you that might be filled with those doubts that you might want to walk alongside. Um, you guys heard what happened this past Monday in Tennessee? It's just the heaviness of, of, of something that's near, I think, to our hearts as followers of Christ, seeing something like that take place. And the response, maybe broadly, um, not being as positive as I would want. Um, and so what could fill our minds is, man, Jesus, are you real and are you on your throne? <laughs> is, it, is it really true that you've come to bring life and life abundant? There was a study Barna put out. They're a reputable faith-based polling organization and just recently put out a few polls about doubting religious beliefs in the past few years, and this was just in 2022, at the end of 2022. In the past few years, if at all, how often have you experienced doubts about your religious beliefs? About 10% said uh, pretty frequently. Another 10, 15, 20% said occasionally. And then another 20 to 30% said sometimes, leaving a rarely and never, uh, a fairly, I think, significant response. Of people that might be saying, man, I'm not always as confident as I'd like to be in this, in this conviction I hold about who Jesus is. And, and so another, another stat, thinking about your experience of spirituality, of Christianity, how true is the following about you today? I've gone through a prolonged period of time where I doubted my faith in Christ. Completely true? This is, again, of those who hold a Christian worldview Uh, completely true, somewhat true, 31%, somewhat not true, occasionally, I would assume that answer to be occasionally, and then for some, 28%, not true at all, Uh, seemingly like the majority would say there's times where we ask that question, God, are are you real? (laughs) Are you really who you say you are? Is it really true? And so the next stat, they asked, well, well, what are pastors might believe those doubts to be rooted in? And then asking others what their doubts might be. So here was the list. Pastors, what do you believe makes people doubt Christian beliefs? Select all that apply. General population, do any of the following cause you to doubt Christian beliefs? Select all that apply. And so you could see pastors have a certain viewpoint on what they might perceive uh, these doubts to be stemming from. Uh, Past experiences with a religious institution, uh, a significantly number of pastors felt that weighed in on doubts. Um, The hypocrisy of religious people, just the inconsistency we sometimes see, the negative reputation of the church broadly, human suffering, Christian nationalism, unanswered questions, unanswered prayer. You could see, though, for many, uh, practicing, non-practicing, those of other faiths, all Christians from Barna. Uh, that didn't seem to be the answers. Um, unanswered prayer. We pray and it doesn't often hear maybe as God, if God is listening to us. Maybe we read this thing and we just have a hard time understanding what it says. Um, one religion can't have all the answers. You can see that those don't have any faith would, would, uh, would say that was a big issue for them. Science, again, for those that don't claim faith, 31% over there. Conflict in the world. But what, I, what struck me was, at the very bottom, pastors had an opinion, but Barna, from their sample that they took, most people seem to land in, you know, it doesn't feel like it fits in any of those categories. So maybe either unwilling to share what those doubts are coming from, or maybe even an uncertainty of where those doubts are coming from, they just emerge. And so this morning, I don't know what it might be for you, I'd ask, if you just sit for a second, is there something or has there been a time in your life where you thought, is this stuff real? <laughs> is, Jesus, are you, are you who you claim to be? Because as we explore the text this morning, we're going to hear from an unlikely candidate, one we wouldn't assume to share those convictions, those doubts, and yet, and yet he brings them and Jesus meets him where he is. And, and I think sends him away with greater confidence. So here's where we're headed this morning. Oh, and I apologize. I wanted to at least reference this. Uh, starting April 23rd, we're going to do four Sunday evening sessions because for some, this might be the area of doubt around human sexuality in our culture. Sexuality is a fundamental part of what it means to be human in a world that is obsessed with sex. Ought the church have something to say? And so if you text TABLE to that number, 888-824-1608, we're looking forward to even attempting to answer some of those questions on April 23rd, 30th, May 7th, and then have a closing session on May 21st. But, But three things we're trying to set out to accomplish. As we're faced with cultural shifts around human sexuality, our heart is to demonstrate Jesus' love and compassion without agreement. And so we desire to patiently teach and guide those who are still developing their own convictions around the Christian faith. So maybe this is the area where you doubt, you wonder, uh, do these claims still hold true? We'd love to try and unpack what we think the biblical text has to say around this topic. And then we desire to develop, empower, and release everyday missionaries to live out and lovingly stand for this truth. (laughs) Again, I don't, I, I sure hope it would just be a one-off, but man, it just in the, the continued hurt of our world, what took place last Monday just feels like it, it is increasingly pervasive in our culture with the hurt and brokenness. How, how do we then lovingly stand for a hope and joy and truth in, in, in Jesus Christ? And then we desire to love and support those who are wrestling with their own sexuality, heterosexual, Homosexual, maybe wrestling even with some level of gender fluidity, walking alongside them as they pursue life with Jesus. What would it look like for us to lovingly walk with people to say Jesus is better than anything else this world has to offer? And so I want to read the text. Turn with me to Luke 7. Because whatever doubts might be clouding our heads, we have an unexpected person that Luke offers To meet us in that place. And so let's read the text. It's in Luke 7, 18 to 35. Here's here's what Luke tells us about this guy, John the Baptist. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord saying, Are you the one... Who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Again, not by accident, Luke says it again, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight, and he answered them, Go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. The poor have good news, preach to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see, a reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see, a man dressed in soft clothing, behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are, the kings, are in kings' courts. What then did you go out to see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is of He of whom it is written, "Behold, I send my messenger before your face." Who will prepare the way? Who will prepare your way before you? I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. When all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by John. To whom, what then, shall we compare the people of this generation, and what are they like? They're like children sitting in the marketplace calling to one another, we played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say, he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. Here's where I think we're headed this morning. Big idea Big ideas are more important than little ideas. We do this every week, right? You guys know this already, right? Is there just a rhythm to this things? Do you guys find yourself thinking this way in your Monday to Saturday? The big ideas that we navigate through life. The big idea is always, what's the big idea of the text? Because there's a few ideas that I think we're going to wait for later in Luke. But the big idea that seems to be here, he's inviting us to deal with our doubts by giving us Jesus' perspective on John the baptizer and clinging to to certainty in Jesus despite our challenging circumstances. Why does Luke include this here? He's given us a chance to deal with our doubts by giving us a perspective of John the baptizer and leading us to cling to certainty in Jesus despite our challenges. So pray with me and, and we will uh, we'll dig in this morning and, and we'll, see, we'll see what God does. Oh God, <laughs> we hear you. <ya. laughs> We want to answer your call. <laughs> we want to trust that maybe you have something for us this morning with our doubts that, that we are bringing to the table. Uh, maybe the challenge uh, of relational tension that, that, is, that, is, that is weighing us down. Maybe the chance of fi- the challenge of financial hardship. Uh, maybe the difficulty of some of the interpretive ta- challenges of the text we read and we just feel they're Inconsistent. Uh, maybe, maybe some of the, the social or moral issues you call us to just, just feel too high or, or too different from our culture. Uh, we, we just want to keep leaning into you. Whatever our doubts might be that we're bringing in, we trust that you're meeting us there and you're going to continue to help us trust you more. Thank you, Jesus. Always for your glory, we pray. Amen. So here's the three ideas that we're going to walk through. Pursuing our doubts around here, we think that is a positive thing. That that we think pursuing our doubts is good. Not to stay there, but to actually pursue answers to our doubts to increase our certainty. And then the text ends with this beautiful way that Jesus begins talking about how life in the kingdom is truly the best. And so so pursuing our doubts, we believe, are a good thing. And, And here's where we get that from. The disciples of John reported all things to him. And John asks... Calling two of his disciples, he sent them to the Lord saying, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And this isn't by accident, right? We, we trust these details. Luke includes that statement twice. Are you the one who is to come? Uh, uh, Luke precise, getting this accurate, his disciples, John's disciples, quoting the exact words, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Some people want to let John the Baptist off the hook. They say, well, well, maybe John's looking for certainty for his disciples. But that's not what the text says. The text instead says, And John, calling two of his disciples, sent them to the Lord, saying, And when the men had come, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you, saying, And we see, Jesus validating, go and tell John. And so there's something in John that, that he's beginning to say, Jesus, are you the guy? <laughs> What's the question you hear John the Baptist asking? Jesus, are you the Messiah? Now of all the guys up until this point in Luke, who would be the one that you would far, far cast away as having this this type of doubt? I mean, his dad had that miraculous, miraculous interaction with the angel in in the temple. He, He was struck mute. His whole life he's been told, you're the forerunner. John the Baptist is standing in the water baptizing Jesus. He dunks him and then what happens? A voice from heaven says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Of all the guys, you would not expect to have any doubts. Who would it be? John. And yet Luke wants to include this story, I think, for a very deliberate purpose. And pursuing our doubts is good. To have these wrestlings, to go, God, are you who you say you are? And I can't help but wonder, what is it that's causing John to wrestle through this? If we go back to Luke 4, when Jesus is standing reading the scroll in Isaiah, he begins saying these things, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering sight to the blind, and set at liberty those who are oppressed. Now, where is John when he's sending these disciples to go ask this question of Jesus? Yeah, he's in prison. And so you can imagine, he heard these words, and he's looking at his circumstances going, something seems to be off. Because it's not quite working out how we intended. If you just turn very briefly to Acts 1. Right before Jesus is about to go up into heaven. Verse, let's see. Verse 6, he just resurrected from the dead. His disciples now are like, all right, this is the time. Verse 6, so when they had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, will at this time you restore the kingdom of Israel? (laughs) And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times, nor the seasons. The Father has fixed by his own authority. And when he had said these things, as they were looking up, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, he went and behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will in the same way as you saw him go, will come back in the same way you saw him go into heaven. There's still this mentality Of how Jesus is supposed to operate. John is in prison. And he's looking at set liberty the captives. He's still thinking man. It's got to be different than how it is. (laughs) It's got to mean that Jesus. I mean why am I in prison? Why are these circumstances happening to me? Do you ever look at the circumstances of your life and wonder. God, are you really who you say you are? And if you were, these things wouldn't be happening to me. John continues, or Luke continues. Here's how Jesus steps in and answers his question. Are you the Messiah? Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour, he healed many people of diseases, plagues, and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight, and he answered them, Go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear and the dead are raised. The poor have good news preached to them. What's Jesus' answer? He shows them. He says, look at what. He doesn't just tell them. He shows them. He demonstrates through his actions in that very hour and says, go tell John what you've heard. Doubting, pursuing our doubts, this is a good thing. But Jesus doesn't just leave us to wander and waffle in our doubts. Instead, John pursues Jesus for the answers for his doubts. Pursuing answers to our doubts increases our certainty in who Jesus is. And so I want to walk briefly Through a few ideas from a book called Another Gospel by Alyssa Childers. In chapter four, I've been reading this book with a few guys around here. She walks through a few ideas of things that might attempt to cloud our minds or lead us to doubt. So we're just going to walk through here, and, and I got a couple quotes for these. I know how much you guys love quotes. You guys love quotes? You guys love quotes, man. Are you missing me wandering around the stage? Or is there some of you that say, man, you should sit down on that chair more often. (laughs) Pursuing answers to our doubts increases our certainty. She outlines those few ideas and she says, here's some. And so remember that question we asked at the beginning. I'm going to ask that same question. Maybe one of these for you is leading to an increased doubt in who Jesus is. And so that first one, just the abuse of power we see, and I loved, again, I pulled a few quotes. This was the quote from, from her. I'll read it for you. It seems that every time I've turned on my computer in the last few years, I've come across a new scandal in the church. From the uncovering of sexual abuse to financial misconduct to pastors who wield their power and use their pulpits to bully those in their care, there seems to be no end to the uncovering of hypocrisy. A good friend of mine recently went through an ordeal at her church of over two decades that can accurately be summed up with one word, abuse. The pastor she had trusted and served alongside all those years had been deeply offended when she expressed a theological concern. By his own admission, his reputation mattered greatly to him and he gave her an ultimatum, trust him unquestioningly or leave. Her husband was on staff at the church, which made her situation even harder. She was gaslighted, slandered, and shown the door without even a goodbye. Nothing has changed for the pastor, but her life, her faith, her finances, her, faith, her family relationship had been completely upended. Maybe there's an experience that you know of some abuse of power in some local church you've been connected to, of which, again, it breaks our hearts to see some of that depravity we've seen. Again, I feel like I can identify with that first sentence. Every time I turn on my computer, there's another news of some scandal hitting Uh, wrecking the local church. Uh, Another doubt that, that she references is even just the fact that it doesn't feel like the church is a safe place to doubt. I hope even in hearing this sermon today on Palm Sunday and John the Baptist pursuing his doubts gives you confidence that this is a place where we want to hold open those questions and walk alongside people and wrestle to say, God, are you who you say you are? We want to continue to pursue who you are through your word. Is it a safe place to doubt? The moral demands of historic Christianity. When Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. What do we mean by that? (laughs) And has it always been a call for this moral activity, this moral demand of what it means to follow Christ? Sometimes we look, we look at our culture and we go, man, I, I feel like the church maybe needs to get with the times. And so it could lead us to doubt. The message of the gospel. Trouble with the Bible. Uh, There's a quote she has. Just when you look at some of the carnage of the Old Testament. uh, Some of the the weight of what's taking place. That could lead you to say I'm just not sure I believe this stuff. I'd encourage you. Wrestle with that. Sit in that. What we see. If I had to summarize the Old Testament in like a few words. The message feels like don't fart with God. That just feels like what it is. Don't mess with this guy. And he just tells story after story of the the power of the sovereign God. But that leads for some trouble with some of those stories. The world offers a more attractive option. Could look around and just what the world might offer as a place to pursue happiness. She goes a slightly different direction. So I want to read her quote. She says that the world will offer Varying worldviews, different from Christianity, a Christian worldview, or the world might offer a different way to live life. So I want to read this quote that she had. Through the ages, Christians have encountered unbiblical worldviews and philosophies that have competed for their obedience and loyalty. These ideologies produce values, beliefs, moral codes that shape culture. And their adherents almost always present them as being morally superior to Christianity. Many Christians recognize the brokenness in our world, racism, poverty, and exploitation, and rightly want to do something about it. Contemporary critical theory can be an attractive way, one of the most recent uh, worldviews, Contemporary critical theory can be an attractive way of looking at the world because it may seem like a loving and other-centered approach. Don't we want to free the downtrodden? Isn't that what Jesus came to do? But the problem with critical theory is that it isn't just a set of ideas that influences how someone thinks about oppression. It functions as a worldview, a way of seeing the world that answers questions like, who are we? Why are we here? What is wrong with the world and how can this problem be fixed? What is the meaning of life? When people adopt the tenets of critical theory, their answers to these questions are fixed through that lens of oppressed and oppressor. Versus Christianity that says we're all beggars, <laughs> we're all broken, we all come to the table as sinful beings before a holy God, and the only thing that can reconcile us to him isn't a toppling of oppressor and oppressed, but rather humbleness before an almighty God. Maybe for you, that is something you're wrestling with as an doubt about Christianity. Hyperfundamentalism. Maybe you grew up in a in a in a community where where it was so legalistic that, that the rules were so overbearing and, and that actually led to some doubt that's crept into your heart because of the hyperfundamentalism. fundamentalism uh, we've been seeing Jesus correct that in Luke constantly to free us to not see it about the rules, but rather about leaning into a savior. One more, the problem of suffering. We, we've talked about that, I think, around here. Man, you look at the hurt. Is there a God who cares? And then the last one, maybe just growing up in a Christian bubble. <laughs> and then when you suddenly were exposed to any other worldview beyond the limited scope you had, you began to doubt everything you grew up believing. You've never heard this. You've never heard this. You've never heard this. Uh, you've never encountered someone that maybe held a different view on um, eschatology or end times. And so that began to rock your view because you didn't know there might be people that shared a different conviction around still core fundamental truths. Pursuing answers to our doubts increases our certainty. And blessed is the one who's not offended by me. What is Jesus saying? <laughs> Keep leaning into your doubts and find and pursue him. Gaining confidence and clarity in him. And so we pursue our doubts around here. We believe that's a positive thing. Pursuing answers to our doubts increases our certainty. And then Jesus turns, turns it for us and he says, And being a part of this kingdom, guys, as John the Baptist's followers leave, he turns to the crowds and he says, being a part of this kingdom is the best. Here's where he goes. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in the king's courts. So... Do you guys want a little historical background, or, we sh- or should we save it for Luke 13? We're going we're to go really quickly, because you could take this in two ways, and we're going to save most of it for Luke 13, where, where Jesus tells Herod Antipas, you go and tell that fox that I'm not afraid of you as a Herod, right? And Jesus continues to preach the gospel. The question is, Luke includes a few of these little clues about Jesus' interaction with the Herods, Herod Antipas most specifically. You could take this and just say, he's referencing a reed shaken in the wind. John the Baptist wasn't weak. He wasn't soft. He wasn't dressed in fine clothing. Or you could potentially take it as Jesus taking a shot to say, We don't need the Herods of this world to preach the gospel and bring healing to the lives around us. What did you go out to see? A reed shaken in the wind? A man dressed in soft clothing? There were three people that got the territories divided once Herod the Great died. His son Archelaus, Antipas, and Philip. And we could go on a lot more background we will in Luke Luke 13. We did this a little bit, if you remember, in Luke 3. But that red section was from Archelaus, that brown section was to Philip, and then that purple section where Jesus did a lot of his ministry was Antipas. That's where Jesus' most of the interactions in Luke are going to be with Herod Antipas. And, And the unique thing about Herod Antipas, all these guys are trying to carry favor, right? And so Herod Antipas didn't put his face on his coinage. Anyone want to take a guess what he might, given the clue we just talked about there, what he might have put on his coinage? A reed. (laughs) A reed shaken, bending over. Want to take a guess what Herod Antipas might be wearing (laughs) and, and how he conducted himself. So the question is, is Jesus Even in this simple, small interaction, we'll unpack it more. Is it just a reference to John being strong? Or is Jesus, even in this small way, making a comment about the kingdom that he's bringing in? (laughs) That Jesus' kingdom eats any empire for breakfast. (laughs) That, That his kingdom moves forward relentlessly in the midst of any opposition this world might have, whatever doubts might afflict people. His kingdom moves forward and he says, what did you go to see, a prophet? Yes, I tell you, more than a prophet for whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before Malachi says, my face, Jesus now turns it and says, your face who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Wasn't this the guy that just said he was doubting whether this is the Messiah? (laughs) What could Jesus have said to him? John, figure it out. What do you mean you're doubting me? Don't you have all this data? What's your problem? (laughs) Is that what Jesus says to John in his place of doubt? He instead affirms and says... Go tell John what you see. And then he turns to the crowd and says, none is greater than John. Now, now just throw out some names. Who who have maybe been some prophets that come before John? I hear Isaiah. Elijah. Elijah. Who else? Micah. Micah. Yes, I tell you among those born of women, none. Father Abraham, Moses, none is greater than John. And then he says this, what's our place in the kingdom? Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Why? Because John is still in that promised Messiah, not in the fulfillment yet. Jesus hasn't gone to the cross yet. John is still in that old covenant, looking ahead, anticipating. But everyone who is now part of this new covenant, the promise of what we look back and see Jesus, is greater than John. I mean, just wrapping your head around that. The intimacy. How do you become greater than that level of intimacy? Even the least is greater. Why? Because we've now been on this side of the cross. When all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just having been baptized with the baptism of John. When people hear the freedom of what it means to find life in Christ, Those that that know their brokenness and see the Savior lead in and go, yes, that's true. (laughs) It's true. When people heard this, that, oh, those least in the kingdom are greater than he. They recognized John was pointing to something greater. But who rejected that concept? But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. my mind can't help but go to missing Jesus is, is too common. Is there a doubt in your mind that just feels like has been gnawing at you that prevents you from finding increased certainty in Christ and, and you've just haven't brought yourself to leading into that? Circumstantially, relationally, Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. What does that mean? No one's no one in this, right? The Pharisees and the scribes will not accept either message of judgment or salvation. Wisdom's justified by her children. Those who have ears let them hear when they hear the message of judgment or of joy in Jesus, right? What do we often talk about around here? <laughs> Two sides of the same coin? Our first value around here is joy in Jesus. There is nothing better than life in Jesus. There's nothing better. The other side of the coin, the message of judgment. Two sides of the same coin. And so here's, here's where I want to land us today. And I'll invite the worship team up just as we, as we, uh, as we sit in this just for a second. I hope this is true of our community, that we're building a community where it's not only safe to ask questions, it's encouraged, (laughs) that Sundays is not the primary day, but rather we've been worshiping Monday to Saturday, and we get to collectively come together on Sunday. We've potentially been in a life group wrestling and navigating some of these questions, We've been a community with other people asking questions, and then we come together on Sundays to celebrate God's work. We hope that we're building a community where it's not just safe, but encouraged. And we'll constantly research and pursue the credibility of the biblical witnesses uh, in the midst of whatever challenges or distractions might be pressing in on us. I think you've heard me say, if there was ever someone who could prove to me that this thing wasn't true, I'll leave it tomorrow. But the reality seems to be, year after year, Jesus proves himself more and more faithful. And we will never condemn, but only seek to lovingly facilitate others' pursuits of their doubts, however tightly or loosely they appear to be connected to Jesus. Jesus. How do we walk alongside people holding loosely, not saying you must believe this, but rather inviting them into life with Jesus, believing he's changing hearts. In Luke 8, we're going to see the parable of the sower. And then we will happily commit together to increasing, to increase our and others' certainty in Jesus. If you don't participate in what we call Pray Watch around here, I would encourage you, this would be a great week to start. What we talk about pray, watch is simply believing that God is transforming hearts and that we pray with desperate dependence for God to move in very specific people's hearts that he's placed in our sphere. That we actually happily commit to increase ours and others' certainty in Jesus. And we believe that God would spark in their hearts a desire for more curiosity and he might use us in that process. So I'm going to pray for us in whatever doubts we might be having And that we would lean in to pursue Jesus in the midst of whatever those doubts might be. Jesus, you are so good. Thank you for meeting us where we are and helping us take one more step of trusting you. Uh, And that whatever those doubts are that might be clouding our minds or others in our life, that we would walk alongside them to trust you a little bit more fully. Trust you a little bit more fully. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.